Hello, welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. In this episode, I wanted to talk about how to make the workplace, how to make workplaces more truly inclusive and accommodating of neurodivergent people, um, particularly autistic people, ADHD folks, um, but not only uh you know, autistic, ADHD, dyslexic, you know, talking about neurodivergent people in general, which, as I've talked about before, can encompass much more than just autism, ADHD, and such. But anyways, I just wanted to start with some statistics, uh, just showing how hard it is for neurodivergent people to thrive in the workplace, and I just wanted to remind everybody that this is not because they are neurodivergent that it, it, alone because of that. It is because of the way that what I believe the social model of disability is it's the way that society fails to properly accommodate neurodivergent people that causes these uh, struggles. Uh, anyways, more than 66% of autistic young adults are unemployed. 58% of workplace accommodations cost absolutely nothing, but most companies refuse to do that. Uh, nearly 42% of autistic young adults have never worked for pay during their early 20s. Now let's talk about some of the challenges. It, it all starts with the job interview. Um, the interviewing process is very, uh, very stressful for autistic people because it revolves around understanding all sorts of um, social communication, nonverbal social communication, um, styles and patterns that autistic people simply do not understand that they, they do not work with, like that we work very literal we're, we're t we tend to be very literal thinkers uh we with very direct communication styles um so and a lot of times because you're expected to understand these neuronormative social cues during uh, the interview we are often um autistic people um, you know, even ADHDers, like neurodivergent people in general, are often disadvantaged from the very beginning, and so they're often, uh, a lot of times they're not hired just based on that interview. Um, see, which is where, where this whole uh, issue starts. So let's talk um, a little bit uh, about... Once you do, the, the autistic folks and, you know, neurodivergent folks in general that do make it into the workplace, uh, let's talk about how, how hard it can be, uh, the, the whole thing with office politics can be. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> so with different workplaces, uh, in general, you know, there tend to be uh, politics, people with different views, you know, drama that happens, 
things that you don't agree with. And that can be emotionally draining, of course, for anyone, but it can be especially emotionally draining um, when you, you know, when you're neurodivergent and you're thinking of it like you're just there to do your job, you know, and, you know, you, you have to attend these um, parties. A big thing is, you know, these, um, you know, sometimes they even call them non-mandatory, but a lot of times they're pretty much mandatory um, workplace, you know, gatherings or events. And, you know, some people aren't comfortable with that. And it's just not, it's just such a blatant disrespect of people's personal boundaries. Maybe a certain person does not feel comfortable, is not necessarily friends with the people that they're working with. Maybe they don't share the same values. And, you know, they're being forced to attend an after-work party with these people. And, um, or, you know, it's non-mandatory, but you still get looked at ugly if you don't go. And then a lot of times people do get fired because they don't attend these events. Um, because, you know, they're supposed to fit these neuronormative molds. Um, to these employers and they're really that shouldn't be an expectation or an obligation at all because you know people should just be there to do their job so and I know this can affect anyone neurodivergent or not but it affects neurodivergence to a very very high degree compared to the population in general um, so let's let's talk a little bit about some accommodations um, that workplaces can implement that really help um, neurodivergent people in the workplace. One of those would be to let employees wear noise canceling headphones if doing tasks that um, you know are. Uh, they're trying to focus on and they have a sensory overload to, you know, sensi sensory sensitivities, like maybe, you know, they, they can get easily um, either distracted or overwhelmed by by sound around them. Uh, so that's why the, the um, headphones are very helpful. Um, and it also lets the public know that they're busy. So, you know, to not, um, like, I would really appreciate that because if I'm really focused on something, I'm really busy, I'm really focusing on my task, and if someone comes to talk to me, it throws me off my what I was doing. So it's, it makes it hard for me to get back to it. Um, visual aids such as flowcharts that might help with routines or job tasks. Step-by-step um, -step instructions for those who struggle with brain fog or memory issues. Uh, fostering an environment that prioritizes flexibility and patience. Um, you know, some people need more time to process certain things. Some people need different kinds of schedules. Some people have, uh, particularly ADHD folks, 
it, uh, difficulty with regulation. A lot of people think of ADHD just as attention deficit, but it's not. It's a lot more than that. What it really is, it's difficulty in regulating uh, hyperactivity and executive dysfunction. So ADHDers tend to have spurts of hyperactivity where, um, you know, we will uh, be hyper-focused on something and we'll get a lot of work done in a short amount of time. And then also periods of executive dysfunction where it's hard to get anything done um, in a, a certain window of time, you know, that we're really burned out. And so, you know, we may be able to work the same amount of hours a week as a neurotypical person, but the way that's distributed will vary a lot more. Um, so, you know, when flexibility with working or timing, um, you know, in terms of scheduling and stuff is, is it very helpful for neurodivergent people. And then uh, having patience as well with folks that need extra time for processing and such. Uh, allowing stimming or uh, stimming is basically um, self-regulatory behavior. Like when you're fidgeting, uh, let, let's just take one example because stimming is such I, there's an episode I did on stimming, episode 33, because it's such a complex thing. But basically, uh, anything like fidgeting your fingers or anything, which is what a lot of neurodivergent people do to uh, relieve hyperactivity or maybe uh, sensory or emotional distress or sensory overload of any kind, it's kind of a self-regulating um, thing that neurodivergent people do for their brain. Um, so, yes, allowing stimming to take place, recognizing that if the person is not injuring themselves or anyone around them, that it is perfectly okay for them to stim. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people are just uncomfortable with stimming because it's, it doesn't, uh, because it's not something that people are used to seeing out there in society. But when you think about it, there's really nothing wrong with, with stimming. And anyways, as I mentioned, I talk about this at, in depth in my, um, in episode 33 that I did about stimming on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to talk about that today in terms of, um, neurodivergence and uh, workplace accommodations, uh, you know, workplace challenges and accommodations. Uh, so thank you for listening to me to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I will have more episodes coming out in the near future. I have some big guests lined up within the next week or two, so stay tuned for that. Um, thanks again. Um, and I'll see you next time.